Hello and welcome to the Winning in Work podcast, the career podcast dedicated to making work great again. I'm Nikki Thomas, global career coach, speaker and author. Each week I'll be talking to inspirational, motivational career innovators, motivational coaches and life transformers. Those that are at the top of their game and they love their jobs. To find out their routines, their daily beliefs and how they have achieved success, sometimes against all the odds. Winning in Work is all about helping you achieve your life and career goals and helping you unlock your true potential. Whether you want to find success in your career, find the right career for you, or just enjoy your work again. The Winning in Work podcast is here to prove that your future is whatever you create for yourself. I truly believe that no one should be in a job they hate. And with this podcast, I want to prove to you that you don't have to be. I'm Nikki Thomas, podcast host for Winning in Work, and today I have Esther Stanhope, who is an international speaker, impact guru, and former live BBC producer. She has interviewed the likes of Madonna and George Clooney. She's worked with Barclays, Deloitte, BBC, Channel 4, Mumsnet, and Warner Brothers. Um, so Esther, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Nikki. Thank you for having me. It's great to see you with your bright red trousers. <laughs> she looks amazing. It's all about impact, all about right? Impact. Yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. I know. And I feel a bit kind of, you know, I'm wearing purple. It's not even that bright. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm not sparkly enough. <laughs> not at all. Thank you. Um, it's great to, great to have you on the show. Um, I know Esther from um, actually watching Esther speak a few months ago. And it was just when her book was coming out. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But I was so taken by her presence on stage and um, sort of the idea that anybody can get up there and speak. So I just want to, I guess where I'm at is, what is an impact guru? Because that's what your role is. And how do you help people get up there and do it? Yeah, that's a good question. So the, the word, in, the, the, I coined the phrase the impact guru, because when I left the BBC and I, and I, I left because I wanted to set up a business that was helping people to look good, sound good and feel good, which some people think, oh, that's presentation skills. And other people think, oh, no, that's media skills or that's how to present on camera or that's how to have charisma. Actually, it's all of those things, but also none of those things. And it wasn't until I went to Deloitte where they said, oh, right, so personal impact. And that's what they, that they all know what yeah. personal impact means. And personal impact is really executive presence. <laughs> really, personal impact is just... Being able to walk in a room and nail it, whether it's a job interview, the boardroom, um, a conference call, or you're speaking at a conference. If you want to stand up or sit down in front of an audience, any audience of any size, and you want people to go, wow, yes, you know, that's good personal impact. (laughs) And that's what I do. I help people with their speeches, with their presentations, but also with their promotions and how to sell themselves. That's what I really love about it is that when you said about job interviews and selling yourself and promotions, I know from working in professional services, the only people that ever get this kind of training are usually people that are quite senior in their roles already. And really by that point, they've already had, you know, loads of opportunities to go out there and pitch to clients. Whereas, you know, it's usually the people that have just had, you know, five to 10 years, well, not even that, but maybe five years training, um, work experience that turn around and go 
I want to know how to do it. I, I want to make an impact. I want to go into that interview and and be amazing. You know how how do you get from from just being you know as you're saying the person on the street to walking being able to walk into a room and just get wow. Well, okay. Well, it's funny because actually one of my clients recently because I quite often work with people that aren't partner level or not even director level yet. So one of my clients the other day, he's he's says, well, I, you know, I feel like I look too young. I feel like I don't, I'm not taken seriously. And so we kind of coined the phrase for him, from bag carrier to boss. <laughs> how, can I, how can I go in the meeting and be like the boss? Because at the moment I'm just this little boy carrying the bags mm. and making the tea. Um, and I think women often feel like they are the ones taking the notes and making the tea. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the good news. Anyone can ace it. Anyone can do it. Anyone can own their space. Anyone can have a voice. Doesn't matter who you are, how junior you are, you can learn to feel comfortable in your own skin and have a voice. Now, people look at me and I, I speak on stages and at conferences and in front of large audiences now all over the world, but I am not born confident. I am not actually 100% confident. I still have imposter syndrome on a daily basis. I still doubt myself. Um, but I, I know what it feels like to completely lose your confidence as well. So, for example, at the BBC, I remember, you know, I was a very, very good live producer. And, I, and I'd work my way up. I'd work really hard. I was really loyal, worked loads of hours. You know, I was good at dealing with big egos. And I was good in a studio environment when I was running the team, the studio team. And if whether it was Boris Johnson coming in or Theresa May or some awkward author that can barely speak, um, I, I was there helping everyone else be brilliant, I was I was really comfortable in that environment. But I remember when they asked me to go for a promotion and I just had no idea. I had no idea how to do it. I had no idea how to own my space and sit in front of a panel of people that were judging me and talk about myself and I completely lost my confidence. And I remember there was one time when I, I just lost the will to... I lost the will to live. I lost the will to speak. I literally couldn't speak. I couldn't articulate anything. I forgot how to speak English. <laughs> and that's my first <laughs> language. That's my only language. That's my only language. <laughs> I, the confidence drained out of my body. And this was a long time ago. And now it's funny because I help people, particularly in promotion scenarios, I help people get ready and prepare for those horrible panel interviews, whether it's a competency-based interview or it's role play or they've got to defend their business case I help people now do that and I've learnt how to talk about <laughs> how to talk about myself but how to help people talk about themselves because in this country we're terrible yep. we're talking about ourselves <laughs> so quite often if I was in a, in a big firm and I, if, if we were going to help if I'm helping a bunch of people with their promotion for example um, if I ask the question you know so why should we make you director no, any, nobody can answer that question straight off. It's quite difficult. I say, what makes you good? What's your, what are your good points? What's your USP? People don't like that. We don't like talking about ourselves. But um, actually, it's not as difficult as you think. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're 100% right. I think that people, they never want to come across as boasting or be or coming across as, I don't know, it is, it is the boast factor. Nobody wants to be almost showing off what yeah. they can do. Yeah. So everyone tends to downplay themselves. Um, but how, how do you do it? Because you say you, 
you lost lost the will to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my confidence. Don't worry, I've got my oh, mojo yeah. back now. That, that how? I mean, that's okay. the thing. Okay. There are so many times where um, I, I've always been able to stand up there and speak and I've been so fortunate, but... You know, when I was looking through, um, looking through your book, you know, 75% of people are scared of public speaking. And I know that every now and again, you get a little bit sweaty. Um, and, you know, the and even sort of Mark Zuckerberg has as well. Um, oh, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. Oh, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> it, it, it was revealed in the papers last week from some biography that his assistant used to... Um, blow dry his armpits before he went on stage. <laughs> it's quite a disgusting <laughs> thought. I mean, what did that smell like? That is so gross. Oh. Did he put curlers in this? <laughs> it's like wear a black T-shirt. <laughs> I know. I'm sure what he meant was that they blow dried the material on his T-shirt. Yes, definitely. Probably his white T-shirt. That is just a horrible thought, isn't it? Blow drying his T-shirt. I mean, that must be in someone's job description somewhere. And blow drying Mark Zuckerberg's T-shirt. I'm going to write about that. Okay, I'm writing about that in my... In my newsletter this week, that is it. It's, oh. <laughs> but we, we've all yeah. felt like that, sweating. Have you ever felt yeah, like that, sweating, exactly. shaking? A lot of people um, break out in a rash, which is one ah. of the reasons I wrote my book, Goodbye Glossophobia. Glossophobia means the fear of public speaking. I wrote the book partly because I used to suffer from glossophobia because I didn't like standing in front of a large audience and I used to, my mind would go blank, I used to sweat, shake. The worst thing is your saliva disappears, so... yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. You know what I mean, though. When yeah. somebody loses their saliva, it's awful. You can just hear clicking. Oh, no, no, yeah. I'm getting self-conscious. I've got to have some water. <laughs> mm. I'm drinking water now because I'm worried about my saliva. <laughs> as soon as you get but conscious of it, it, it goes. Yeah. But then that's how, it, that's how the spiral begins, isn't it? Yeah. Because then you start thinking, oh, now I need to think about it. Then you start worrying about it. And then, and then you just start on this spiral of fear. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, there are a couple of really simple tips that I talk about in the book. And so first of all, talking about yourself, because it's all, it's all related. It's all about confidence. It's about, mm. I think what, the first thing is to have the mindset that you do need to work on yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because I used to be cynical. Oh, for God's sake, I don't want to go to some personal development leadership course. What am I going to learn from that? I just want to get on with the job. And quite a lot of people are doing very well at their job, very successful. They are winning clients. They are winning business. Mm-hmm. And they're very, very, they work long hours. They're, they're dedicated. There's nothing wrong with them. However, if you don't work on yourself, on your personal development, and just having a concept of the kind of, person that you are and how you react and how you're coming across as a leader if you don't work on that when you you get put under pressure and you do have to perform you, you haven't got anywhere to go because you haven't kind of got a ba- a basic mm-hmm. default position yeah and and I think I lost I just lost I lost my center if, if there is such a thing as a center but you know what I mean I just I was toppled off I was I, I, I just I was toppled off my perch I thought I was good and then I just so wasn't. I, I crumbled <laughs> under pressure. And I think if there are chinks in your armour, you need to work on resilience. You need to work on yourself so you can yeah. actually survive any panel or any judgment or any negative feedback. You know, it's, it's quite difficult to, to handle those scenarios. That is a really good point. I yeah. mean, I, I didn't actually think of the resilience part of it, but of course, yeah. Because any you do, as you say, it's a chink in the armour. You know, you think that you're going to be up there and be absolutely fine, and then you get up there, and you know, and if you're not, there is no way of bringing you back. Well, there must be ways of bringing you back, but at that time, 
your mind just goes blank. Everything goes wrong. Yeah, and I think a really a couple of really quick fix tips, apart from reading the book, of course. Um, a quick fix tip to when it comes to getting promoted and talking about yourself is is just something so simple, which is just to understand what is your USP, what's your superpower, what are you really good, what are you brilliant at, and what do you kind of stand for? Because if you're so sometimes people I'll say, what are you really good at? I'll say to somebody who's super brilliant at their job and they, they may be brilliant at data analytics or they're, they're running some massive project, really good with clients. Mm. I'll say, what are you really good at? No, I'm like, well, um, uh, I don't really know. I don't really know what I'm good at. And, and, I, and then I ask them, so what's your Myers-Briggs? Give me an idea of the kind of person that you are. I'm trying to work out. Because everybody just wants to know what kind of person are you? What are you, what do you... What, what's the essence of you, if you like? So when you leave the room, how would somebody describe you? You know, because they're not just... They are, people are going to describe you. You do have a personal brand, whether you like it or not. Exactly. And sometimes just knowing that you are a really good people person. You know, if you're, if you're a good business... You know, if you attract clients easily and you're good at socialising and you're good at off-the-cuff chit-chat, you know, that's actually a huge skill. It's something that you can you can really polish and make it into a feature of, of you. And sometimes when, if you kind of go into a, a job interview scenario or a promotion scenario, and you think, right, I represent, you know, what am I really good at? Well, I'm really good at bringing in new clients. I'm really good at chatting to people at events. I'm really good at off the cuff. I'm not so good at detail, <laughs> for example. Yeah. Um, but it's good just to know that about yourself and be able to articulate it. Because a lot of people just don't know how to talk about themselves. And then maybe there's a story to back that up. That's a really good way to look at it. Mm. Because actually one of the things that you just said there was about um, being able to say, but I'm not so good at something. Yeah. And I think that's it, is that not only are we really bad at being able to say what we're good at, we're also not that great at being able to say that we're bad at something, especially when it comes to going for a promotion and we feel that it's an automatic you know, uh, mark against our name if we say, but actually, I'm not that great at, t- at detail. And I know that I'm rubbish at atten- attention to detail. Really? We'll make a right pair then. I'm semi-dyslexic. Well, well, see, this is it. I'm actually quite good if I'm looking at something for the first time. But when you've been pouring your eyes over it for a long period of time and then somebody else looks at it, they will always find something else wrong with it. And you always sort of batter yourself down with it going, why did I miss that mistake? So what's your USP then? Come on, let's get into our USPs. Come on then, Nikki. Let's do it. What's your? What do you think yours is? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. That's the other thing. What, what's your USP? I think my USP is listening. So yeah, I think with my coaching, I spend a lot of time um, listening, and and a lot of the time I'm not allowed to give advice. So I can I have to listen and help people get to their own advice. So I think that's definitely my my USP. Um, and it is, it's just push and also being quite driven. If I have something in my head, I will work and work and work to get it. <laughs> That's good. And sometimes it means just like, yeah, it'd be like midnight and I'm still working on something. I'm like, not ready to let it go yet. Yeah. So, That's good. So it's like you're a super driver. So you're probably a red in the insights test. Are you a bit, a bit of red and green? I am, yeah. I go into the influencing bracket. Oh, you as see, well. Well, now we're talking in tongues, <laughs> different coloured tongues. So I, I'm probably, you know, I'm definitely got a lot of yellow, like as in, you know, woohoo, party. Yeah. Although, you know, don't be fooled by the uh, by the constant, you know, the happy face because sometimes there are tears behind the smile. But um, no, I'm, I'm definitely a yellow. But then I think I've turned a bit red. I think really, um, it's funny because my brother described me as 
soft on the outside with a hard core. <laughs> and I thought, oh dear, you know, maybe, maybe I'm getting, particularly as I'm getting older, I'm probably getting more of that kind of driver, you know, the kind of killer instinct. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm a goal-driven person, so in my, in my Myers-Briggs profile. But in, see, in the past, I don't think I would have been able to articulate that. Or, or maybe you, you kind of feel like in the past, you know, it, I'm chatty. Bubbly, chatty, and and it was almost like a negative thing. If you're bubbly and chatty, it's negative. Or if you're a, a goal, if you're a goal-driven results person, you know maybe that's bad. Maybe it's bad to be, you know, you don't, you're not, you haven't got enough feeling. But it's just the type of person that you are, and it's about letting people know. It's about being able to articulate that. Yeah, I think it's being proud of who you are as well, and not trying to be something else. Yes. It's a real bit, because so many people are trying to downplay, say, the bubbly, bubbliness or anything like that. And actually, that's part of your personality. You've got to be who you are. You can't be some, someone yeah. you're not. But in terms of where you've moved into sort of, as you say, going more into a red, being a lot yeah. more driven, do you think that could be because you've gone from a employee. Sort of real corporate <laughs> employee <laughs> world yeah, to... And to now running your own yeah, business. Yeah, definitely. And if you're thinking of leaving the, the comfy corporate world to set up your own business, it's absolutely brilliant, but it's terrifying. It's, it's, you go through a roller coaster of emotions. I, I mean, I used to go through a roller coaster every day. It, I mean, there were pros and cons. I mean, I have not looked back. I mean, I love, I love my, I've got, still got friends at the BBC. I love being a producer. I love working with celebrities and politicians and and I love running a studio and producing, and I love the technical side of it as as well as the ideas side and telling stories. However, I always knew that I wanted to do more, and I, I I've, I'm kind of got I'm an entrepreneur at heart, really. I've always worked ever since I was twelve. You know, I, everything from ironing, I've done ironing, babysitting, selling encyclopedias, waitressing, barmaid. I mean, I've done quite a lot of different jobs. Brilliant. <laughs> Take your hand to anything. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I've, all, I've always kind of stood on my own two feet in a way. And I suppose it's the idea that I could be set up my own business and, you know, people say be their own boss. I'm probably quite a nasty boss because I don't really let myself off very easily. <laughs> but I, I knew that I really wanted to do something more. So setting up my own business has been incredible. I've got to say, though, one of the key tips if you want to grow, whether it's your Get promote, getting promoted where you are or whether you want to set your own business up. One of the key things I've learned is get help. Yeah, I had a business coach and, and I spent a lot of money. I invested, not spent, invested, invested. I invested a lot of money in a fantastic business coach called Kim Duke, who is based in Canada. We used to do Skype calls. Um, I had it for five years. Um, now I'm coachless, but I do have very good mentors and people that I talk to regularly. And I have a lot of co-coachy um, personal development people such as you that we can share compare notes <laughs> and I've got some really really good clients as well that, that help me and guide me sometimes um, but actually when it comes to personal development going on the retreat going on a leadership course going you know filling yourself with 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 knowledge whether it's yoga or how to breathe how to breathe I mean it's amazing it's so good for your health it's taken me all my life to realise that breathing's really good. <laughs> I love how it's taken you this long. <laughs> but proper breathing. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. And breathing can stop you being nervous when you're speaking. Ah, oh. that's interesting. 
But of course, because you're then focusing on calming, calming yourself down. Yeah, absolutely. And as you can hear, I'm not the calmest person. <laughs> well, is it that you're not calm, or is it, or it is sort of you do you do bring with you an excited energy? It is the bubbling, bubble, bubbliness. Yes, bubbliness. Oh no, now we. Oh no, now we're going back to the bubbly. That's okay. It's okay. I've come to terms with it. <laughs> But it's a positive. I think that yeah. actually one of the things about you and about your personality is that you are so warm and, you know, you are open to talking to anyone. And and that's actually a really, really lovely trait to have. There are so many times, and I think actually this does go back to, I think, public speaking, is that, you know, there's some people that you can talk to that are quite standoffish and you talk to them and automatically you feel nervous talking to them. And I've had loads of times in my career where... You know, I'm actually quite confident. I can talk to a lot of people. But the moment that I get up against somebody like that, somehow my confidence just plummets because I'm not, I'm just not used to speaking to people like that. So I think that actually being warm and being open and actually that your personality there, it means so much because it means that you're approachable. People want to talk to you. Yeah, but, but when you're describing somebody who's not your personality type, particularly in the corporate world, I've experienced having people say, for example, if they are more of an introvert, sometimes they might be more senior and they kind of look down their nose at you and they go, oh, I'm not sure about that. Or, oh, I don't want it to be fluffy. And one of my biggest fears is, you know, it's too fluffy or it's not enough content or it's too lighthearted. Well, and actually, what I've learned, only, it's only through experience, I, what I've learned, particularly as a former broadcaster, because I've, I was at the BBC for 10 years and before that I was working in television and various different broadcasting um, mediums for more than 10 years, another 10 years. So I've got 20 years experience. You know, the, having all that experience, I understand how to get audiences engaged. And when I'm talking to very senior people and they want to bring, they want to bring their staff with them, their audience with them, their organisation... And they want to do a speech, for example, and they're kind of, oh, I don't want to be off. I don't want it to be light-hearted. It's got to be deep. It's got to be meaningful. And I'm thinking, hmm. So how are you going to bring the audience with you then? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I do know how to help people engage with their audience, and a lot of the time they don't want very heavy, very serious, you know, professional. Let's be professional. You know that people don't. Most audiences want to have not just fun, but they want to be engaged, they want to be involved, they want to, to learn something new, they want something fresh, they don't want long-winded, lots of detail, you know. So, so I have to keep, but again, it's experience, but I, I, sometimes I have to kind of get back onto my path of, I call it my path of righteousness. <laughs> you, everyone's got their own path of righteousness, right? Because people think, oh, yeah, I, I can be extrovert, I can be good. And I'm an extrovert doesn't mean good. It just means that's my particular way. It's my style. Everyone's got their own style. And it's about finding that and not wavering from your path. Once you know who you are, what you are, what your personality is, what flavour you are, are you deadpan? Are you a little bit, you know, you, do you have a dry sense of humour? Are you, are you super nerdy, but you have a kind of little bit of wittiness there? You know, are you quite quiet and you pause more, but, you, but people listen to you? Because you've got great insights. You know, everyone's got a different energy about them. And it's about finding that path and really allowing themselves to unleash themselves onto the world, take the lid off their personality and be that person and not try and be like somebody else. Mm. 
I think that's it, is that when you are who you truly are, everyone, it doesn't matter who, it doesn't matter your personality. It's almost that people just accept it. But it's whenever you try and be somebody that you're not, I find that's yeah. when there seems to be an issue or when you realise that people don't really, it's not that they don't like you, but it's almost that people are trying to decipher who you are. Yeah, I think in the corporate world, people find it quite difficult to, if they are, if they feel that they're a bit quirky or a bit different, feel like it's difficult to exercise that part of their personality in a corporate environment. However, I think there are, there are ways that you can be, I mean, if you're a slightly quirky, if you're a creative type person and you're in the middle of a corporate environment, you know, you're, you are valued. People need ideas, people. And quite often you get people that are very, very good at analysing, very good at spreadsheets, not necessarily, but you don't want 100 people all the same. You do need, you do need people to, to, to stand up and speak up and be a bit different. I remember one time I went for, a, it was a chat, I'd been referred to, a, it was a legal firm, and, and I went to chat with them just about possible personal development, and the woman looked down, we, we had a really good chat and got on really well, and she looked down at my shoes, like, they weren't outrageous shoes, but I do like, you know, I like different shoes, okay? But these had a bit of sparkle on the toes. And she looked down at me and she said, so how do other, um, how do your clients, you know, take it when, when you wear a sparkly shoe? You know, when you, you walk in with your sparkly shoes. And I, at that moment, I thought, she's not going to hire me. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? If you don't want a bit of sparkle and a bit of, I'm slightly different. I'm not wearing black polished court shoes. That's not what you get with me. You get the slight, a tiny twist on the shoe. Right, but that kind of sums it up. If you don't like that, don't ask me to come, because what I what I can offer is a fresh perspective, something modern, something different. I can bring out the best in people. I can help people tell stories. I can help them engage with their audience. But I'm not going to be off the shelf, cookie cutter, ordinary, or vanilla. And but but that's but I that's taken me years to to even have the confidence to say that to say I'm happy for you to not ask me to work with you. <laughs> I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> I think that's it. It definitely does come with experience. And I have to say that, when it, but then it's horses for courses because I wouldn't have anybody else sitting in this room <laughs> discussing the same topics that we're discussing right now. So I think that, yeah, it's, it's, all about, it's all about the audience and there's so many different people out there. Um, one of the things I do want to ask you is that you know, as you say, 20 years of experience in TV. It's, you know, impressive CV. You you could have stayed there. I mean, you could have, could work your, work your way up the BBC. I mean, it's massive. What? Why did you... I know you say that you wouldn't go back, but why did you make the change? I think because I, I had, I've got two kids and when my son was one, I had a feeling, oh, you know, what, what would be my next career move? But I remember there was one time when... An, uh, an agent came in with one of our guests and I was on the breakfast show at the time at BBC, BBC Radio London. And this guy brought in an author. I think I write about it in the book. And he said to, and the agent said to me, Esther, this guy's got no personality. Can you give him a personality? And I said, yeah, I can. And he went, no, 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 no. I mean, not just like your five minute, woo posture, you know, quick tongue twister, which by the way, does work. <laughs> He said, no, no, I'll pay you to spend a day with this guy. And one day you can hire the film crew. So I hired the work experience BBC News crew. <laughs> and they all came down with their tripods and cameras and, and uh, TV monitors. And 
hired the crew. He said, look, I'll, I'll give you the money. And I only, I only asked for like really small amount of money. Um, and I told my boss, I'm taking the day off to do this. And he said, it's okay. And I spent the day with this guy and he went from really boring not being able to, he just didn't know how to perform on camera. I mean, most people don't like cameras, but actually the camera, the camera needs to be loved. <laughs> and if you hate cameras, guess what? The audience looking at the camera think you hate them. Yeah. So it doesn't work by hating a camera. Um, you want to fall in, learn to fall, fall in love with it. Um, I spent the day with this guy and he went, by the end of the day, this guy went from really quite dull to really funny, brilliant, being himself, entertaining, I just fell in love with that. I fell in love with him. I fell in love with... I thought, oh my goodness, I love doing this. I want to do this. I want to do this. I could work my own hours. I don't have to get up at 4am and do the breakfast show. I mean, I could have moved at my hours, to be fair, but I didn't... You know, when live broadcasting is fantastic, however, it never stops. You know, you're not in control of your life and you might get a phone call in the morning, you know, like, you might get a phone call at 11pm, you know, Nigella Lawson's dropped out. You've got to find another guest at <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. You know, it's all, it's like a, I call live broadcasting a hungry beast that never stops being hungry. You've got to feed it every day, all the time. And I just thought I'd love to just work my own hours, but I love to, I'm helping. You know, it was, it was the coaching, it was the helping, it was seeing somebody transform so quickly. Um, and I thought, I wonder how I could make this into a job. And it was only really a, that was the embryonic idea. I didn't really know what personal development was. I didn't know what personal impact was. I didn't know. I didn't even know there was a personal development industry. <laughs> I mean, the whole leadership, you know, leadership um, um, uh, programs and masterclasses. There's so much to it. And the more I looked into it, the more I learned, the more I realized that was what I was really good at. I'm really good at helping other people find their brilliant and and I can see people's talent before they can. Quite often I'll say, you're good at, but you're a people person, you're creative. And they'll go, oh, no one's ever said that. Or I'll say, you're brilliant at telling stories. They go, no one's ever said that to me before. And I think, what? That's how, we, but you're brilliant at it. You've got to do more of it. And And when it comes to speaking up and speaking in public, anyone can do it. Just they haven't given themselves permission yet. I think that's it. That's actually it in a nutshell, is that people get so used to living their daily life and what they've fallen into that the moment they've got permission to actually think for themselves, they just don't know what to do. They <laughs> don't know where to go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So so from him, <laughs> yeah, yeah. from, you know, the guy that... The guy that, that gave me the inspiration to change my entire career, he doesn't even know it. <laughs> I mean, you have to find him at some I point. Know, I and... back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then from there, you, as you say, you've now written your book, um, which is Goodbye Glossophobia. And that's about banishing your fear of public speaking. Um, that got shortlisted um, yes. for, by Biz Book of the Year. Yeah, the Business Book of the Year Awards yeah. 2020. Absolutely amazing. Gets yeah. announced on the 23rd. Oh, I shouldn't date this, but it gets announced on 23rd of March 2020. Yeah. So when this goes out, it might be after that. I might be a winner. Yay! And we don't know until then, but it's fantastic. It's really exciting. You know what? I can't actually write. <laughs> I mean, I didn't think I could write. I mean, it's a pretty weighty book. <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. It's the short category. It, it, was, it was nominated for the short business book category, which is brilliant because it is rather short, like me. <laughs> 
but it's brilliant. It is a really, it's a, I mean, it's a fantastic book. And I've already read the first chapter because the first chapter, I mean, I don't know if this is coming off your website anytime soon, but it's already on the website. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just, every single page has something new to learn. And it's something as simple as um, sort of the eyes and teeth me- method. Yeah, just uh, smile, yeah. smile and you'll get away with murder. <laughs> and it's funny because you wouldn't, I mean, when you go up there, I mean, and you're standing there in front of people, you do see people and the first thing they do is it's that sort of shock and that fear factor that hits their face. But of course, if you're just smiling, you may still look a little bit scared, but most people will, as you say, you know, they will look, click in on the teeth that are showing and the eyes that are showing. And that's the most important thing. Your eyes sparkle when you smile and you relax your jaw and you look like you're confident, you sound like you're confident. It's much better for your voice to smile. So you can hear you can hear I'm smiling now, can't you? you can hear. See, if I put my mouth the other way, when I talk like this, I'm not smiling. See, I'm not smiling now. So my voice sounds different. It does. And it I doesn't smile. sound like a podcast that you want to listen to. <laughs> no, let's talk about this. <laughs> but that is a really good point. It does. And it actually uplifts you. The more that you force yourself to smile as well, the more uplifted you become. Yeah. So I recommend the book, or go to the website, estherstanhope.com. Esther is spelled E-S-T-H-E-R, Stanhope, S-T-A-N-H-O-P-E.com. You can download the chapter one for free. <laughs> <laughs> but give, um, to give our listeners a really good idea of, I mean, we can talk about the book, and as you say, you can see it in all its glory. Um, you, know, you can download it from, or take it from Amazon. You can also get it on the one chapter on, uh, on the website. But what, what made you write this book? The main reason is because I work with a lot of women leaders. I work with a lot of men leaders too, but what I found particularly when it comes to female leaders is that I was finding that one of the reasons they weren't getting promoted as fast as the men was that they didn't really like the sensation of standing up in front of people and having all the eyes on them, whether it was the boardroom, whether it was a panel interview at a conference whether it was being a keynote speaker at a conference, quite often very senior, very well-respected, super intelligent, competent women would say, uh-uh, don't, no, 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 don't make me speak. No, 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 I'm not doing it. You do it. He does it. I'll write the speech for him. So many times I've heard women writing the speech, coaching the guy, doing all the work, coming up with the ideas, and then not owning the idea visibly and not speaking up in meetings and missing the opportunity to own that to own that and to be seen and to be visibly brilliant as well as technically brilliant and because i too suffered from glossophobia way back in the late 90s i spoke at the edinburgh television festival that's probably what you wrote what you read about in chapter 1 and i i was speaking about a youth channel i worked for a, ch- a channel called rapture television and i had to stand up in the edinburgh tv festival and I was meant to be the authority of youth TV. And it was, I was terrible. <laughs> I, I mean, I did everything. I now, looking back on it now, I did every single thing that you shouldn't do. You know, I took counsel from somebody that had a completely different style to me, a, a bloke, and said, you should say that, say this, do this, have cue cards. I mean, it just doesn't work for me. Um, I tried to do a PowerPoint. Oh, it's, it's horrible. I stood at the podium. I'm too short for a podium. I wore the wrong clothes. Um, I, you know, I, I, I didn't rehearse enough, or maybe I rehearsed too much. Who knows? 
I forgot everything. I forgot my name. <laughs> I forgot. I sweated. Um, it was a horror show. And look at you now. <laughs> what I've realised is that my style isn't perfect, isn't that? I don't do polished. That's not my style. I'm more of a wing it wonder than a planarina. <laughs> but it's okay because you can be a, quite a good planarina and quite a good wing it wonder. It's good to know your type. But I, I, know, I know that I need to do a more conversational style and, and I'm okay with that. You know, I, I can improve as well and, and I want to improve more. Um, but in terms of the fear, I'm over the fear. I'm over it purely because I've done it many times. So my tip is you want to get over public speaking fear, do it, do it to four people, do it to five people, do it to six people, seven, eight, nine, do it every week, do it every day if you can, stand up and speak as much as you can, as often as you can, and the fear will disappear. I think that is a lovely way to end it, actually. Thank you so much, Esther. It's been brilliant having you here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for listening to Winning in Work. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the Winning in Work podcast and leave us a review. Also, join us on Twitter at Winning in Work, where we share all our upcoming guests, live events and career workshops. Winning in Work is a podcast that's turning the rat race into a work happy place. This episode has been produced by Podcast Syndicator. To find out more about Podcast Syndicator, go to www.podcastsyndicator.com.